You're listening to Global Heart to Heart Radio. This is Mary Alice, and today we are with Ellen Babcock from Ashland, artist and adventurer, and we are going to hear about Ellen's trip on the El Camino several times. So welcome, Ellen, and let's hear a little bit about you, and then we'll get into speaking about many other things, I'm sure. Thank you so much. What a privilege to be here. I have always been an artist. Uh, My mother considered herself a craft person. She worked with the Girl Scouts, and I think we earned every single badge that we could. And I got into art. I was in school. I was in the art department in high school, and I also carried that on to college. My family felt that art was really a good thing, but not a job. And so I uh, became a secretary and then uh, continued my education, became a, a teacher in English. And that's where another piece of creativity came from, is that I had to teach poetry, something I didn't know much about. And through learning all the styles of poetry and also seeing some of my not A students really get very creative because they didn't have to have a 500-word composition. Mm -hmm. They just used small amount of words and said their heart out. And that, to me, really was exciting. So that took me on a path also of poetry. Um, Then I uh, started doing my artwork in the summer because I said made the mistake of saying this in front of uh, teachers that um, I couldn't do creative things until the summer because I was teaching. And they told me, I'm sorry, but um, teaching is creative. Every day you stand up there, you're selling something and you have to be pretty creative or you have kids that fall asleep. So uh, through that and then um, became a, a sculptor, my pieces went from painting Uh, um, lyrical abstract painting to uh, sculpting. I learned to weld. Um, I'm a found object sculptor. And so um, it's very whimsical. And uh, sometimes I feel like I'm in a Dr. Seuss uh, (laughs) book or something with my creativity. But I also followed the art therapy um, field and used that uh, to... um, bring out things in my students' work, because when they did an art project first and then wrote something, their work was amazing. Mm -hmm. And so I use that um, and do do now creativity workshops. I got out of calling it art because I realized the umbrella is a lot higher for me. It is creativity in any way it comes, whether it's improvisational dance or improv or, or poetry or... And and, moved. and it also is travel. So that's where we were ending up uh, with the Camino. That's where we're uh, leading to. Yeah. <laughs> I am sorry to mean to cut you off there. No, no. Because I'm so excited to hear about this. And um, when you got here this morning, you told me you've take you've walked the Camino how many times? Three times. Three yeah. times. Yeah. Did you always take the same route? No, no. Okay. Um, the first time I took the French route. And if somebody has watched the movie The Way, The Way is on the French route. And it's called that because it starts down at the bottom of the Pyrenees in France. And then you walk up the Pyrenees, you turn 
uh, west and you walk to Santiago from there. Many people, that's considered their Camino. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I learned after reading so much information on the blogs and so forth, that everybody has their own Camino. Sure. And some of them are arrogant enough to, to dismiss somebody who found that the minimum that you take on a Camino is 100 kilometers Right. With your passport, getting it stamped in bars and, and restaurants and churches everywhere you go, <laughs> and going into Santiago and getting the Compostela oh, for 100 kilometers, 62 miles. And that's, I felt, was the biggest mountain I'd ever, ever thought of doing. Mm -hmm. So you did the first route through France. And what was your second route? The second route uh, was the Spanish part of the Portuguese route. And the reason I did that was that you could, they just had opened up and, and qualified the route along the ocean and it was flat. And a lot of the other uh, <laughs> is, was pre-mountainous. So um, I started at Awardia, which has Celtic ruins at the top of the hills because the Celts were in that area. So that's in the south of Portugal, right? No, it's in the south of Spain. It's right at the Minho River where Portugal and Spain draw their line. Is that more to the south? That's more to the north? Yeah, it's, it's, <clears throat> it's north, but it's the tip of the north end on, from the Atlantic Ocean. It's right along the coast. Oh, and it's between okay. that line between Spain. I came from Spain into Portugal that Apple. way. Yeah. Okay. I know where I got confused. Yeah. I'm always going to the South. <laughs> yeah. Well, the way the that Algarve. you would go probably by train, the train come through the interior. So Awardia is on the coast. So I had to take a bus to the coast, but mm -hmm. I wanted to see these Celtic ruins, which uh, the energy there was just phenomenal. Mm. Um, so then I started hiking up to Santiago, realizing that, there was a point that it did go inland. And mm -hmm. um, uh, there's actually a church there where the whole mystique of the Santiago was that the boat had come by itself into the river and the people got off and they wanted to bury Santiago, St. James. And um, and the Celtic queen uh, said, yeah, you can take those ox and pull it up to the top of that mountain and you can have that. The ox were wild and she knew that the ox would kill them. And so they went over there and the ox just got into the halter and pulled the boat up. And that's one of the myths or stories wow. about, about St. James. Um, so that was the second route. The third route was for a friend of mine the next year. And she said she wanted to walk the Camino. And I said, well, I walked it twice, so I'll give you some advice if you want. And she said, I don't. And I said, okay, <laughs> I know. Everybody has their own Camino. And she said, no, I want you to go. I'm thinking of my <laughs> recuperation that I thought I would be able to have because I go every five years. Mm -hmm. And so um, I said, yeah, I'll do it. And so we walked the French route again. She's very tall, and we obviously didn't walk the same pace. And so uh, when we'd stop for lunch or stop for dinner, we'd check the mileage. And I would always walk farther than she did because it's by step. It's by step. Yeah. So my, my count on my phone is, you know, on my app oh. is by step. <laughs> and so I'm always, she says, that isn't fair. I, I have to stop because I... This is, I've never heard this by step because there's so many kilometers that you yeah. go and so yeah. many miles. And 
So are steps counted at the end? No, you're just doing that between you. I just would like to know how far the next place is and so forth like that. And if it's, you know, 15 kilometers, then I know that, you know, I can check on my phone. How far did you average each day? It really depended. Uh, On the first time that I went on the Camino, I had three rules. One, to walk alone. Two, not to talk to anybody unless they talk to you. Mm-hmm. And three, not to medicate with alcohol unless somebody bought it for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, right. okay. so um, basically because everything I do outside of walking the Camino has people involved. Mm-hmm. And I was teaching with people. I belong to um, Ashland Artworks Co-op. As far as art is concerned, I do workshops. It's all people. Yes. And I also, I, I take tours to Europe and to now to Morocco. And so being the guide for the tour and the coordinator, um, I'm always in service of the people I take. And so to me, it's always people. And I love that. But that was the deal. I would not initiate anything. And so the stories that came to me were fantastic because uh, there were very few that I people who I talked to, but they came as angels. Sure. You had information and help falling out of the sky, showing up at every turn. I love that. I've had that experience. I did a six-month trek through Europe. It was not formally El Camino, but it was my own Camino. I had this similar experience. People just are there and helping you. And so let me hear some of your, you know, people coming out of the sky stories. Oh, I love it. Um, My name, everybody has a a trail name. And mine was um, Tortugas, the turtle. (laughs) Ah. So the backpack came the shell and I just was, I weighed 50 pounds more than I do right now. I found out about the Camino uh, when I was in Chart uh, Cathedral at a, a retreat with uh, Sharon Meddy, who is a, a spiritual person here. And I asked what these things on the ground were, and there are symbols. There are the, the shell, uh, there's a tricolored hat, there's a man with a staff and a gourd, and the tricolored hat and the cloak. And those are all symbols. And she told me that she had walked it, and she also said, um, uh, you know, that I should walk it. I work with metal, and I had a dream while I was there. And the dream said, you'll be tempered on the path. Well, if you know about metal, you know that tempering makes it strong. If you, but if you temper it too far, it gets brittle. Sure. So tempering on the path just took everything about getting prepared, uh, getting in training out of the picture because my dream said tempering on the path. How exciting. I'm getting chills. (laughs) Unfortunately, I told that because Sharon was a mentor for me as well as Julie Hilliard. Sharon said, no, when you decided to walk on the path, you started your Camino. That's right. So it, it didn't turn out the way. So I was up in the mountains and in Galatia, uh, the part that I had walked, it is very similar to our topography. And so there was rivers and creeks and mountains mm. and ups and downs a lot. So this is a great place to do the last part of that um, mm-hmm. Camino. Probably also a great place to prepare 
Yeah, yeah right. it's really good. <laughs> um, so first person I met was a man who walked by with a whole bunch of kids, 25-year-olds. 20, they were laughing and fun, and there were about 10 of them. And he, they went up to the top of the hill, and I was doing my turtle walk. And he walked back, and he said, do you mind if I walked with you? Mm. And I said, well, I don't walk fast. And he said, no, that's okay. I, I don't want to. I'd like to hear your story. Mm. So his name was Can Man, because on the way, you can buy... <laughs> canned water in these uh, vending machines. Hmm. So people would get the water, drink the water, and throw the can out on the side of the road. Hmm. And, and trash is a bit of a problem on the road. So he would pick up the cans, smash them, put them in his bag, and I'm, I'm not carrying anything. I'm not carrying a postage <laughs> stamp more than I have to. So um, finally we saw a bin, and I said, a trash can, and I said, oh, God, there's a trash can. And he said, it isn't for cans. <laughs> I'd put it in there anyway. But anyway, so we went on. He found his trash can. He was going to be walking the next day to the last place you go before you walk into the to Santiago to see his mom, to pick up his mom, because it was her birthday, and they were going to walk in together oh, sweet. into Santiago after he walked from the, the Pyrenees. Mm -hmm. He lived in the Pyrenees. So... We stopped at the same place and everything, and uh, he said, I'll see you for dinner. And I just went to my room and just took a little nap mm -hmm. till 7 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I was really tired. <laughs> they tell you, and, and Judy Hilliard told me this. She said, no matter how bad you feel at night, how achy you feel, you will wake up wanting to get on trail again. Mm -hmm. And it happened I woke up with no pain and mm. ready to go. Mm. So anyway, so he left, and I walked out, and there was a little sign, and it said my name, and there was a heart made of chameleons, and big heart oh, made beautiful. of camellias on the ground. And so I took my name out, so it was for everybody. And from that time on, somehow, whether it would be with my trail hiking uh, sticks or something, I make hearts all the way down the trail oh, or find hearts. You know, I'm carrying rocks that mm -hmm. look like hearts. Right. <laughs> I'm a rockaholic. I understand. <laughs> so that was the first person. The second per people, um, I came into a restaurant and pilgrims just take over everything at a certain time and leave. And so in the middle of the day, you're fine, but then they come in and they go wherever they can to eat. So I went into this restaurant and everybody was there and I started to walk out. And this woman says, hello, hello. And um, I turned around and she waved for me to come. So I sat with Ellen and Patrick. In the conversation, we get to where are you from? And they're from Ireland. And I said, oh, I have Irish background. And she said, where is your, your family from? And I said, oh, it's a small little village. Mm -hmm. And um, it's called the Glen of Arlo. Nobody would probably even know where it was. And she said, no. And I said, See, yeah, I'd expect that. And she said, no, you don't say that right. She says, it's Glen of Arlo, you know, and I'm probably still not saying it right. But she corrected me. Right. It was where they lived mm -hmm. <laughs> in Spain talking about my heritage 
and they live in the ground in the place my family came from. I love it. So she said, um, it was really nice to meet you, and they were long haulers. They had already started, and every year they did a part of the Camino in four parts, and this was the last part they would walk into Santiago. Mm-hmm. They took a detour the next day, and I went to a hotel, because after a while, sleeping with 20 people mm-hmm. and showering, you know, with the bag around your neck of all your valuables. Right. Yeah, it's just it was just... I was a lady of a certain age, mm-hmm. and I decided that I wasn't going to do that anymore. Good so it was very inexpensive to get a room, mm-hmm. and um, I found this hotel, and its name is Rita, and my, that's my middle name, so I almost looking for these signs. Mm-hmm. So I walked up, took a shower, and walked back down, and Ellen and Patrick were signing into this hotel because they had taken the detour to this church and come back and none of the refusios and albergues were open. They were all full. Ah, she says, we'll have to have dinner. So mm-hmm. we had dinner again, and they bought me wine. <laughs> well, you're at the end of the trail. <laughs> Celebrate. So when they left in the morning, they said, she turned around and she said, you know, if we see each other again, we're going to be friends forever. And off they went. I was not going to walk into Santiago and see them because, you know, they walk too fast and they would probably be here two or three days before. Mm-hmm. So uh, I finally get to Santiago and um, I start to go into the, the Pilgrim Road, but uh, I don't know, three busloads of people or wow. whatever. There were probably 75 people with banners and singing, and it's really nice and everything. But I have just spent a long time in contemplation with Whoa. Mother Earth. That's no shocking. No noise, but ducks and, and chickens right. and um, sheep and, and cows. Mm-hmm. Nature. Everything is quiet and still. Birds mm. amazing. You know, they, I, I felt like I always was uh, around uh, people, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, but walking into that town, being a t- in that town with cement and, and culture uh, shock, oh, cars yeah. honking and things, it was really hard. Oh, yeah. So I just dropped over to the next road, mm-hmm. not a road that everybody used. Right. And as I'm walking down, <laughs> there they are. <laughs> Ellen says, Ellen, it's Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And needless to say, that was the third time. We have since been to their home and they've they've met me when I was doing tours with a couple, um, private tour with people in it, in Ireland. And yes, and we write back and forth to each other. What a gorgeous story. It was really super. My, uh, my whole body is vibing up and I have tears in my eyes. It's just such a gorgeous, gorgeous story. Wow. We never know no. uh, what's, what's uh, in line for us. Oh, and it, to me, it's always a spiral that keeps coming out farther and farther. Mm-hmm. And what I, on the first night, I threw away, somebody gave me a leather-bound journal. journal. Mm-hmm. You're talking weight here, mm-hmm. you know, and I carried an English Spanish dictionary and you're talking about weight here. Mm-hmm. I threw away so much stuff or left so much stuff on that first night uh, because I realized I had overpacked. Was that your first Camino? Yeah. 
Yeah. Do you learn? <laughs> and, and I thought I was doing really well. Mm -hmm. But um, that one night, I just, uh, why did I need all my art supplies? Somebody has a really nice set of art supplies. Uh -huh. I just took the pen. But instead of writing in a journal, I would write home and to my friends, and I would take pictures. Mm -hmm. And so that became my journal. So let me stop you for a second and ask you a few questions. So along the trail, well, did you have your cell phone? Mm -hmm. okay. Yes, I did. Were you able to use your phone, like Wi-Fi kind of stuff? Or was that just when you stopped at night? How, how did that work? Anything that I sent, I did at night because I could get into Wi-Fi. But if I had it, if I was connected to anything else, it was very expensive. Mm. So I would get everything. If I stopped for lunch or something, I'd put something down. And, and at night, then I would send those right. pictures, which was morning. So that was how you were keeping your quote-unquote journal. I know when I traveled my six months through Europe, I carried a small journal because I, six months I had a carry-on suitcase and a backpack and it was too much. It was, I didn't need everything I had. And I thought I was traveling light for six months, but I had a tiny journal and I wrote exceptionally tiny <laughs> and I don't write small. So oh. I had to really concentrate <laughs> on that, but. When you're, when you're walking the path, are there a lot of people along this path? Um, there was at the beginning because it was the uh, week before Easter, and I knew that I wasn't going to be in that Easter basket, <laughs> having an Easter basket in Santiago. So it didn't bother me that people were walking quickly, but they were, uh, there were groups of people. Um, mm. I made a small video, and the first group that I met there was on the train, and it was a group of women who worked together in Madrid, and they mm. were going to walk it for a week. Mm. And they were, you know, going to move it. I thought that I would walk it for 12 days. I figured five miles every day right. I could do it. And I, um, I walked it in seven. And I don't wow. know why. The last person that I met is a story that gives me shivers. I'll hear that now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was watching these guys play soccer. My son plays soccer. And, and so they came over and said, how are you doing? And I said, oh, just fine. He said, uh, do you like watching us play soccer? And I said, well, my son plays soccer. What position? So we got into that conversation. As I'm still walking, I am not stopping. And so they walk and talk and all that. And then I see one of the yellow arrows that help you on the trail. So mm -hmm. I take it. I have missed the town I was supposed to go to that night to sleep. I didn't realize that until I was three miles away. Ooh. And I am in hilly area the hill was going up. And you're alone. Oh, you know, I always walked alone right. except for those other times. And I'm walking up. I've already run out of water. It's hot. Um, I'm walking up and I see a little woman at almost the crest. And the women in uh, Galicia are old fashioned and it's rural and agricultural. And so they all wear black. She had a cane on her right side. She was stooped over. And I said, I'm going to find her and ask her if I can sleep in her barn. Mm -hmm. Because I couldn't see any other answer. And I was not going to walk. When, before I saw her, I was going to just I go off this. I could see her in my mind's yeah, eye. I, yeah. I, I would just go off the side of the road and figure out how I could sleep right. outside for that one night. Because I just wasn't going to walk anymore. When I saw her. I started picking up the pace, right. and I'm hauling, and I am got my energy back. I go over the top of the hill. There's not a barn. 
There's not a house, and there's not a woman. I was able to do that stretch uh-huh. where I was going to give up, and she did her job. Right. I don't know where she went. Over that hill. Yeah. So it was another three or four miles that I walked. That was the longest day, and it was another three or four miles that I walked, and I was able to find a place to eat, and it had a bathtub and <laughs> gold <laughs> and it was and it was the day before I would walk into Santiago. Oh wow. So it it How was beautiful. It was supposed to be two or three days before, but mm-hmm. um, I but made it in hold. seven days. That's how I made it in seven days. That's amazing. That's a beautiful story as well. Had you not seen this figure that that lured you up this hill, this mountain, would you have felt safe sleeping somewhere out in the open there? Well, the time that I went, there are a lot of people who couldn't even afford the five euros for the refugees in the hostels. Mm-hmm. And so they would camp out. And so along the trail, you would see people, they move away from the trail, but you see them along the way. And I, I didn't feel, I never felt uncomfortable. And everybody says, Buen Camino. It doesn't matter if you're from Korea or you're from Argentina. Everybody says Buen Camino. And Mm -hmm. so because of that, you just feel like you're all together, all walking the same way, Mm -hmm. all with the same intent. Mm -hmm. And I would suspect that there are things that are stories that that doesn't work out for everybody. But for me, I felt very, very careful. One more little story about the Camino. Mm -hmm. It seemed like most or all of the seven capital sins came to bother you. <laughs> and one Isn't pride, that part of the reason for the journey? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I was walking and I was eating at the same time as I had the apple and I had sardines and I had uh, bread. And so I was dipping the sardine, the bread into the sardines. Oh God, just even think of it. And then I ate the apple and I was eating the apple and it was had rained uh, cows walk and they've got thin legs, so they make big plops in the mm-hmm. in the path. And people are walking along the edge, holding on to this hill, trying to not fall in because you'd be up over your ankles. And so I saw this road above, and so I said, "Well, why why wouldn't they have taken the road, <laughs> silly women?" Mm-hmm. You know. So I took it. Well, the reason that it was a road there is the farmer was clearing off that property. And in the process, he cleared off a fence, but he left some of the barbed wire. And I fell. And I fell with my cane, my my walking poles behind me. So I I couldn't get up Mm. because my hands were stuck. And I tried rolling, but when you have that backpack on your back. And so people were walking by. Well, some of these people or most of these people are short. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm saying, Ayuda, Ayuda, help, help. And they're going, Bon Camino. Yeah. <laughs> and a very tall man walked by and he said, No, 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 Bon Camino. She's in trouble. Right. So the four guys come up, pick me up. Beautiful. <laughs> backpack and all. And the women that were with them come and one of the women screams and the other one's taking out stuff out of her pack. And she says, let me fix it. And I had hit my head on a rock. Mm. And so it was bleeding. So she fixed it. And um, they said, are you okay and everything? And I said, oh, yeah, I'm fine. 
I was shaken. And so they started walking past this path. And so I got put back together and started walking slowly past it. But when I got down there, they were two of the men were still there. Mm. And they didn't speak much English. And they said, we're helping you. Right. At the end of the path was a drop about 10 feet. So I would have had gone back and gone through all that mud. Or they just picked me up, put me down to the other <laughs> thing. So they were my angels. There were some of the angels on the path. Oh, boy, were they. So that night, I got another name for uh, the Camino, um, Black Eye. <laughs> and I went to the doctors, and he said he didn't speak English. And he said, um, your, your eye? Yes. And he said, negro, bueno. If it's black, it's good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I got that message and I was very happy, but I didn't, I got a room that didn't even have a mirror. So I took a picture of it. Big mistake. I took a picture of it. Well, all my pictures were going home. So, oh. <laughs> so my husband writes back and said, what happened to you? Right. So that story got out. Mm -hmm. To me, I keep hearing take the path of least resistance <laughs> because I had a similar, I didn't get hurt, but I was guided to go a particular way and I was being too impatient to go that way. And I was going to go my own way. And it turned out to take me much. That's when I had to walk across the border from Spain to Portugal because I just could not take that advice. And then all I could do after that was laugh at myself and, <laughs> The lesson was take the path of least resistance, you know, and I still to this day use that phrase to myself quite often <laughs> when I think I'm going to take a shortcut <laughs> that turns out to be not that. <laughs> right. I, I love the angel stories because they're so affirming when you're when you're on a journey like that to know that you're guided divinely. It just always made me feel I had nothing to worry about. No fear, uh, just go on my way because someone would always show up, point me in the right direction, take me on a ride to where I needed to go, that sort of thing. It's lovely. It is a fantastic thing. And once you believe in it, you feel more comfortable in any country that you Absolutely. go to. And I, I feel that way. Right. Uh, I've certainly, you know, I'm conscious of of being aware mm -hmm. um oh, yeah. and you're going to be pickpocketed by some of the best mm -hmm. i think that works for me too one of the things that ellen and patrick the reason that i got to see them was the fact that they had gone out to the end of the world which is finisterra and uh, there's also a finisterra in portugal mm -hmm. probably all the way up and down everybody's coast which means the end of the earth well, imagine people walk the Camino all year long. Yeah, they do. In the snow, even. It seems to me the spring would be the best time. Yeah, or autumn. Yeah, yeah. would be a beautiful Those time. Those are the best times as far as the the, the area. There's a there's a mesa uh, in, um, and if you, did you see the way um, they were shooting that movie when I was on trail? And, um, and so they were going to all of the Catholic universities and showing this movie about pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. It blew out of the water mm. and went viral when they took it to Canada. It opened in Madrid. It opened in Santiago. Then it went to Madrid. And then it went to his Irish side 
Yeah, so all of the stuff that he did was on the Mesa part, where there were long, long roads with long lines and, and, and then wind, you know, heavy stuff. But basically, the story is true. Mm-hmm. That he, this man and his son were estranged because the son quit school and was going to walk the Camino. Mm-hmm. And the father gets the message mm. that there was a blizzard. And this just happened another last year as well. Really? It's, it was the summer. And the blizzard came and he died, the young man. Wow. And so he was called to get him. And you can't bring somebody back without cremating them. So... Mm. um he had that done, and so the monk came out and gave him the ashes, and he said, and this is his too. Oh, boy. And he walked the commute. It was his bag. Right. So there he was, and every time I said, oh, I'm there. Yeah. It's so touching. Yes. And um, he sees his son, and he walks the whole Camino and then goes out to Finisterra, actually Mete, which is another place, and throws the ashes into the ocean. Mm. So when we talk about me going out to the Finisterre, it, it was the best completion because it was quiet. All the people just left their bags at wherever they stayed and got tired of carrying them and walked up there to the sunset only to realize there's no street lights and it's dark as hell. Wow. <laughs> and this man took his car and drove five miles an hour so that we could see where we were going until we got into town. Another angel story. What prompted you to do your first Camino, your first pilgrimage? Well, I think it was because the people who talked to me about it were my age mates. And I figured that if they had done that, um, I could do it. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, I thought I could do that. To come home and sell it, to try to explain to somebody mm-hmm. what had been moved in me mm-hmm. at the time when they told me their story. And all of a sudden, the Camino came out of everywhere. Mm-hmm. We couldn't sleep one night. My husband turned on the television. Bert Wolf was on the Camino. He was on a Camino Lux. So they'd pick him up in the van when he was finished walking, and they would take him to a four- or five-star hotel someplace and bring him back on trail, and they'd have lunch prepared for them. And my husband said, that looks like a really good idea. I said, that's not my concept. Right. And he, and he said, um, well, you could come visit me after you take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> so I can imagine that. What kind of a Camino is it? You're getting picked up in a van and taken to a five-star hotel at night. But on the other hand, I've stayed in hostels in Europe. <laughs> so I wouldn't mind staying in a five-star hotel every night. It's that whole thing about it's my Camino. Right. I saw a blind man and his two brothers walk. And they had to help him. I saw somebody in a wheelchair that were carried. They had to help these people. Wow. And so their Camino was minimized by what they had to do to help. And yet there was no one that felt badly about that. Like you say, that was their Camino. Yes. And, you know, I'm, I'm of a philosophy that everybody's on their journey and it's, it's all in divine order. So what looks to one like something that might not be the best for someone is the best for that person. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I just, you know, let it sit that way. 
as we're speaking, I'm I'm realizing that my six month journey through Europe was my Camino, though I technically wasn't on the Camino path. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that you, you talk about this because I was back in New Jersey in um, I think September this past September, and I'm originally from there. And a friend of mine says, let's walk El Camino. I want to do the Camino. I want to do the Camino. And I'm like, yeah, okay, okay. And I would have packed my bags and gone right then and there if we were able. And um, But it has been on my mind and it keeps coming up. And I'm laughing because you said once, you know, the seed is planted, it comes before you. And here you send me this information and tell me you walk the Camino. And I'm like, okay, I have to hear this. <laughs> I'm excited to hear about this and very interested. I'm paying attention to my, my cues from the universe. And, hmm. and as soon as I'm able, as soon as we are permitted, I'm sure I'll be on this journey. Let, let me, this is just a kind of a, a not important question for the public, but like, what were you wearing shoes wise and stuff? I, I bought boots. Um, and I was, you know, I tell all the people who are on my tour is that you don't wear anything that any shoes that are newer than six months is I had boots and then I had sandals and I wore sandals at night after I got off. But the boots were just amazing. And there was another uh, comment, a helpful comment about using silk liners and then your socks. And I never ended up with any feet problems. The problem that I found with so many people that then I've talked to myself as far as encouraging them on the Camino, is is the fact that they have realized that they can carry that heavy pack with all their stuff. Right. The problem is, is their back can take it, their shoulders can take it, their knees can't, their hips can't, and their, their feet. feet can't. Right. And people don't equate pain at the bottom from what they've got on their back. Right. And there is a comment about you carry your fears. Like, are they going to have toothpaste there? Are they going to, you know, they're going to have the things I want to feel comfortable. And after a while you say, I'm a lot less comfortable with the weight. So eventually you end up with an empty pack and open arms. Right. I know on, on my journeys, you just recognize how insignificant some of that stuff is. And what do we really need? What do we really need in the long run? Not much at all. And the shedding along the way is part of the process, which is so beautiful. Well, one of the other things is when we went up to REI to get my bag, because you can't just get a bag. I'm a woman who's short and you really have to have something that helps you out. And so I went up and down the stairs of all the bags and everything. They wanted to put bags of sand in it so I'd know how it felt. Well, I was having trouble carrying the bag right then without anything in it. Wow. So I would walk around here for a mile or something, and I'd have a pillow in the bag because everybody knows when you have an empty bag. (laughs) So I'd put a pillow in it, and then I started (laughs) with a book and a pillow, Mm -hmm. and then eventually I built myself up to to carrying uh, what I needed. But I had never filled up my papoose bag. Mm-hmm. full of water. Mm-hmm. And so when I got uh, finished after the first um, night on the Camino, um, I filled up the bag and I uh, 
you know, put the bag on the bed. And by that time, by the time I was busy taking care of everything, everybody had left. And so I put the bag on and I couldn't stand up. Finally, I moved forward and cinched it up and moved forward. I was able to stand. Wow. Because it was so, it was still heavy because of the bag of water. I didn't think about what is liters of water. So Mm -hmm. learned a lot on the trail. So water, that's an important, very important topic. (laughs) You would have to take water for your entire day's trail or would you find water somewhere along the way? How, How did you, how did that work? Because- it's just such a critical thing to have if you have nothing else. You must have water. For somebody that is very cautious, they would buy water at the stores and then fill up their water bag. For other people, there are a lot of fountains and they're there and they'll have the symbol of the Camino on them and so forth. And then all of the places that you get lunch, they have water there. So you can stock up on your water. You can. So it depends on how you feel about local water. And if you feel uncomfortable with that, then you'd buy it. Wow. (laughs) So you're already packing for this. Yes, I'm always packing my bag. And this past year or so has been traumatic in not being able to pack a bag. I did go back to my home state uh, for a while. Uh, I needed to go back there. So it was a little bit of a reprieve. Tell me, you said you do tours to Morocco. I was in a conference with uh, some people, and this woman said, what are you going to do after the conference? And I said, I don't know. I'm going to be walking the Camino, uh, but I have 15 days in between, and the prices here are just outrageous Mm -hmm. because this was in Spain. And she said, well, I'm going to Morocco. Do you want to go? So she showed me her (laughs) itinerary, so it wasn't just a, you know, Marrakesh trip. Right. and I wrote home and my husband said three words, go for it. Right. Beautiful husband. <laughs> so I sent, I sent pictures home from that and he was invited to an Easter party brunch. And the people there had traveled with us before and they said, tell her to get a tour together. We're going the next year. I love it. I uh, took 12 artists on tour. It was artists. I mean, they stopped at everything. And my guide in um, Chef Shawan was the Blue City in the mountains. He said, Shweya, Shweya. And slowly, slowly, I'm sorry, you know, because afterwards he would take us to a lunch place and everything. And I said, I'm so sorry. Is it lunch and everything? He says, No, no, they love my state. And he is his, his in tears. He said, Look at how they love everything. Well, cannot wait. I'm, I'm serious. Sign me up for your next tour to Morocco. Because it is on my list, has been for a long time. And I appreciate your taking the time today to sit here with me. I can listen to your stories for days on end, I'm sure. And I have a sense that we will be sharing more of those stories. So thank you so much for being here today uh, and taking the time. This has given me, it's brought light to my day to hear of your adventures and your travels. And I, I greatly appreciate your, your presence here. So thank you very much, Ellen Babcock. And uh, we will now be recording some of your poetry, which we will be posting on globalhearttoheart.com. That sounds wonderful. Thank you so much. It's thank just you. been a privilege.